You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning or good evening, Bayshore, wherever, whenever you're listening. We're so glad that you're with us this weekend and uh, you're part of this weekend's great experience at Bayshore. So thank you so much for being uh, with us online or at Fenwick Island, wherever you are right now listening to this uh program. We're so grateful that you're a part of this weekend. And let me just say, I hope you had an amazing week. What a crazy week it's been for everybody. But I hope the Lord's peace has been with you and uh, the Lord's been taking care of you. I know he is and he's going to bless you and take care of you. Hey, we're so glad you're with us today. We're in a study where we've been talking about the mega moments in the Old Testament and we're trying to learn more about the Bible so we can read the Bible for ourselves and we can grow in our faith. And uh, we've been looking at the big pivotal moments and the big pivotal people in the Old Testament. And we're really excited about today because we're going to be talking today about one of the most famous people in the Old Testament, and that is King David. King David. David is really a huge deal in the Bible, and there's a real connection between David and Jesus. Because so many things in the Old Testament, we many times don't really realize this, but so many things in the Old Testament have a direct connection with Jesus. And really what the Old Testament is, it's God's drum roll for Jesus to come into the world. So we're going to be looking at King David this morning. And uh, David uh, has a lot of things in common with Jesus. But let me read to you what the Bible project said about David. It's an interesting thing about David. It says this, he is actually the most developed and complex character of the entire Old Testament. The amount of pages dedicated to telling his story outnumber any other single person in the Bible except for Jesus who had four entire books in the New Testament. So the question is natural, a natural one to ask, why does David get so much attention? Now that's a really, really good question. Why is King David such a big deal? Well, we have to go back to the genealogies. When we look at the genealogies in Matthew chapter 1, have you ever wondered why the Bible opens with a list of names? Well, the list of names that are mentioned in Matthew, uh, Matthew's genealogy, are directly uh, connected to people in the Old Testament that lead us to Jesus. So we have this incredible thing in Matthew chapter 1. Let me read the, uh, the genealogy to you a little bit of it in Matthew chapter 1. It gives us some insight on what this is all about. It says, this is the genealogy. This is how the New Testament starts. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. Now, the word Messiah is the same word as Christ. Whenever you see Messiah and Christ, same word. Uh, It means anointed one. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Isn't that interesting? You know, so the genealogy in the New Testament, as we start into the New Testament to learn about Jesus, the first thing we learn is that Jesus is the descendant of Abraham, And then he's a descendant of David. He's a descendant of David. Now, the reason that's important is because David was the most important and the biggest and most successful king in Israel's history. So there's a connection. Jesus comes from royal blood. He is a royal descendant from uh, King David. Abraham was the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. We're just going to stop right now, right there. And it says in the genealogy that, uh, that, that 
Jesus was a descendant of Judah. Now remember how in the Old Testament when the prophecy was given in Genesis 3.15 that God would raise up a woman and a woman would produce a child and from the child would produce, or the child would come and would crush Satan's head and break his power. So we started from a woman, then we went to a nation. Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. Then we get more narrow. So we start real broad, a woman, then a nation, because we have Abraham, it's the Jewish nation. And then we get to David, and that's a tribe, and we get uh, very, very narrow. So the Messiah is coming from a woman, from a Jewish woman, from a Jewish woman that is of the tribe of Judah. So that's how that works. Let me give you, a, uh, let me show you something really interesting in the genealogies, and that is in Matthew chapter 117. Uh, we get uh, in Matthew 117, uh, it says, there were, thus there were 14, I'm not gonna read all the names to you at this point, thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Now let me ask you a question, why is 14 a big deal? Why is that the big deal in the uh, genealogy here? That's really interesting. Why wasn't it 13? Why didn't they use 12? Why didn't they use 16? Why was it 14 generations? So we have this sort of symmetrical thing where there's 14 generations from Abraham to David, then 14 generations from David to Babylon, and then 14 generations uh, from the exile to the Messiah. Why is the number 14 important? Well, in Hebrew, and in, uh, in Greek, there weren't any numbers. So when you uh, wanted to use a number, wanted to present a number in either Hebrew or Greek, the, the, the letters themselves stood for a number. So here's how David's name is spelled in Hebrew. David's name is spelled like this in Hebrew. D, uh, this, is, uh, this is Hebrew, D-W-D, and that's Deleth, Wa, Deleth. And each of them stand for something. So you got D, uh, D equals four, so you got four. W stands for six, it's the letter for six. So you got four, six, and then you got the last to left, and that is four, so it equals 14. So what you have in the, uh, in the genealogies, you have this really interesting thing where, where the writer, Matthew, is creating this really cool code that Jesus is a descendant He's a descendant of David. He's a royal, he's a king like David is going to be. And so you get this incredible thing. So that meant a lot to the Jewish people. So that's why it says 14. Let me give you another little thing. Romans chapter 1, uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 1 gives us some insight here. Romans chapter 1 verse 1, uh, we get a little bit about why David was important here. Uh, here's what Paul wrote. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And then the next verse, the gospel that he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scripture. And then the next verse, regarding his son, we're talking about Jesus here, regarding his son who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David. So David in the Old Testament is a king and Jesus is going to descend from a king because he's going to be a king to us, a, a divine king. And so that's why that is very important. So when you think about David's life 
You know, I read through uh, much of David's life this week and was thinking about his life. He has such an incredible life. Now, here's what's interesting about David's life. If it begins, we sort of learn about him beginning in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And, uh, you know, uh, Saul is not doing so good. He's a bad king, the first king of Israel. And then Samuel is sent to anoint David privately. And David is this sort of like uh, obscure figure. And uh, God anoints David through Samuel. And uh, But then then David, remember in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, he kills Goliath, he becomes famous, and he's working for Saul, and then there's this jealousy from Saul, and Saul is chasing uh, David and trying to kill him, and, and David is like the movie The Fugitive, he's running for his life, and you got all of this, and so David's ascent to the throne is very, very difficult, very difficult. You know, he goes through maybe eight, nine, ten years where he's hiding in the, in the wilderness, he's hiding in caves, he's, he's living, you know, hand to mouth, he's constantly on the run, he's, he's cold, he's got, a, you know, doesn't have a lot of provisions, and he's just going through a really hard time. So on the way to the throne, he has this really, really difficult time. And I want to just encourage you this, you know, in this, is that sometimes when, when you're on your way to your destiny... When you're on your way to the dream that God has for you and the dream that he's put in your heart, sometimes when you're on your way to that destiny, that plan, that dream that God has for you, there's some bumpy road on the way to that destiny. But David didn't give up. He didn't quit. He didn't, you know, throw in the towel. He didn't say, he didn't sort of just fade into the crowd and give up on his dream or on his destiny, but he continued to hold on and be faithful even when he was going through a very, very difficult time. So on the way to his destiny, there was a lot of potholes. There was a lot of, uh, lot of uh, hostility, a lot of di- di- difficulty. Saul was trying to kill him. David's constantly on the run. And so I just want to encourage you to hold on, to hold on. When you're on your way to your dream, whatever that dream is that God's put in your heart, whatever it is that maybe uh, God's given you a dream for a business, maybe God's given you a dream to get a degree, degree and you're working and you got all this stuff going on and maybe God's given you a dream for a ministry, maybe God's given you a, some sort of dream and on the way to your dream, you're going through all kinds of adversity, but don't give up on your dream because David, he went through all of these you know bumps and all of these ups and downs on the way to his destiny, but he was faithful to hold on and he didn't, didn't give up. Let me tell you something. It is worth holding on when you're on your way to your dream, even if it's difficult. I can tell you from personal experience in my life, things that I've gone through, things I've experienced. When I came here many years ago, had a dream for this church with other people. We all had a dream together. And in the midst of having that dream, there was all kinds of adversity on the way to achieving that dream. So whenever there's a dream, Whenever there's a vision, there's adversity on the way to that dream. But I just want to encourage you to hold on. It reminds me of this guy named John Holland, Holland, who was, uh, was on the Mayflower. Incredible story in our, in our American history. John Holland was on the Mayflower in 1620, and he went up on the deck one day, and he was walking on the deck, and when he was walking on the deck, he slipped off. And they were in a storm. The boat was in a storm. The Mayflower was in a storm. And, uh, and, and he slipped off the deck, and he, and he went into the ocean. And there happened to be a rope dangling in the Atlantic Ocean uh, as he fell off. And he grabbed a hold of that rope. 
and he, hanged, he hung on to that rope, uh, just hung on as hard as he could until some people saw him and they got a hook and they got him back in the boat, but he held on. You know what, uh, John Holland, he may not be the most famous uh, person to you. Maybe you know more about William Bradford or uh, uh, Ed Winslow, some of the famous people on the Mayflower, but John Holland, uh, t- two million of American descendants came from John Holland. He eventually married a girl by the name of Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth uh, Tilly, and they had 10 kids, and from those 10 kids, they had 80 grandkids. And uh, he eventually became the assistant to the governor and held a lot of important roles uh, in, the, in Plymouth, Massachusetts, when the Mayflower finally landed. And do you know this? Some of the people that came from his, uh, his ancestry are, number one, Franklin Roosevelt, one president, uh, George Hubert Bush, another president, uh, George Debbie Bush, another president. How about this actor, actor Alex Baldwin? came from that person. Uh, how about Dr. Spock, uh, the great uh, child psychologist? Over two million Americans came from this person because they held on. And listen, when you hold on to your destiny, you hold on to your dream, even when it's hard, God is going to do something great through you in the future. Now, when you look at David, David went through all kinds of adversity, all kinds of trouble, and he could have just like packed it in and forgave, uh, for, forgot about the whole dream and given up, but he held on, and because he held on, God had something very, very special for David. And let me just say this to you, God has something very special for you. I remember when I came uh, here to Bayshore, uh, you know, many, many years ago, uh, things weren't going too well in my first couple years, and it was really difficult, and I got discouraged at, at times, and I remember uh, one time uh, after, you know, things weren't going good in the church, Karen and I were able to slip away and go to a conference down in Asheville, North Carolina at a place called Ridgecrest. It's a big Baptist conference center, a uh, beautiful place in the uh, Blue Hill Mountain, Blue Hill Mountain. Uh, mountains there. And we were uh, at that conference and we walked into this auditorium. There's about a thousand people in this auditorium and they're singing and there's a guy up there playing uh, a song actually on a, on a big pipe organ. It had big pipe, uh, pipes in the uh, auditorium there and this beautiful pipe organ music. And they were singing, uh, Love Lifted Me. And I remember uh, Karen and I, we couldn't find any seats. We ended up sitting on the second row. And we're walking down the aisle, and that great congregation is singing, Love Lifted Me. We slid into the second aisle. And I remember just tears rolling down my face. I was just so discouraged. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And he said to me, out of Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So David represents tenacity. He was a man of tenacity, and he was faithful to be faithful to what God told him to do, even though Saul was trying to kill him, even though Saul was trying to uh, be hostile to him, he was faithful, and he held on. And so I just want to say to you today, I just feel very compelled to say to you this weekend, don't give up, hold on, hold on tenaciously to the vision that God has given you. Another thing about David and his life that I think is helpful to us is that David's life and his, 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 his ascent to the throne was very gradual. It, taught, it started very small, very small. Listen to this. Great things always start small. Great things always start small. The greatest and biggest oak tree always starts with a small 
tiny acorn. And so don't despise the day of small things. Make sure that you are uh, going to be faithful to, the, to, the, to where you are right now. We're always looking ahead. We want to be here. We want something big. We want something grand. But we need to be faithful right where we are because great things always start with something small. Very, very important for you to remember that. So when we look at David, what do we see? We see he's a little shepherd boy. Uh, in fact, he had, he had seven brothers, and when Samuel the prophet came to anoint a king out of that family, uh, they didn't even call David because David wasn't even on their radar screen. They didn't think it, it can't be David. He's just out there taking care of the sheep. He's not, he's not doing anything important. David is really not even in the running. And Samuel has all these uh, really strong, uh, uh, handsome uh, sons of uh, Jesse walk by him, and none of those are right, and he can feel in his heart. And he said, don't you have another son? And so, yeah, we got one son, our youngest one, it's the youngest one, and he's out there taking care of the sheep. And so they get David, and when, when he comes in and Samuel puts his eyes on David, he sees David, and the Bible says that he, he knew in his heart that, that David was the, the future king of Israel, and he anointed him with oil. And then David spent eight or nine years running from Saul. And he had a, had a ragtag group of people that followed him, about 300 uh, men that couldn't find anything else to do. They were kind of the troublemakers in society. They were part of David's entourage. And then uh, finally, after a, a long period of time, David is finally king, and he becomes king, not of the whole nation. He becomes king of one tribe, his own tribe, the tribe of Judah, and the capital is in Hebron. And for seven and a half years, for seven and a half years, David was the leader of that particular tribe. He was the king of that particular tribe. And then after seven and a half years, he became the king of the whole nation. So you can see how God works in our life. God works with, he takes us at small things, we're faithful in small things, and those small things become bigger things, and those bigger things become even greater things. And so that's how God always works in our life. The other day, I was, uh, Karen and I were at uh, Johnny Gymnastics. Uh, we were getting some furniture, and uh, we actually started out looking for a piece of carpet at a carpet store, and we ended up with... Uh, Two couches, a love seat, and a bunch of stuff. So you know how that goes. So anyway, we're at Johnny Gymnastics, uh, looking at some furniture that we that we purchased, and and uh, there's pictures on the back wall of Johnny Gymnastics and Laurel. And I don't know if you've ever been in that store. Probably many of you have been in the store, bought furniture there. But I remember uh, when Johnny Gymnastics started. I remember how that store started. It started on the Main Street in Laurel. And when I was in high school, uh, right, actually right uh, at the end of my high school career, and, and right after I was out of high school. I worked for a, a store, uh, Phillips Men's Store, which was a really nice men's store down the street uh, from where Johnny Janosik was. And I got to know Johnny Janosik, and he just had some, he had a few... Uh, uh, he, he had a few washing machines and a few TVs and appliances in that little store. And here's a picture of his original store and Johnny standing out front. And I got to know him and uh, he was so diligent and worked so hard that uh, he would never take time uh, to leave the store to come down to buy any clothes. And so he would call me and there was a certain type of, uh, uh, of, of pants that he liked. And they, they looked like jeans, but they were sort of made out of some other material. And I would take a stack of jeans 
jeans down there to Johnny Genosics, and um, I'd hand him the, 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 the pants, and he would go in his little room and try them on and say, I want this one, I, want, I don't want this one, and I'd take them back, and I'd run back and forth to take care of taking care of him. And a uh, wonderful, wonderful man. I got to know his family really well, and they're wonderful people. And, uh, and so I, I just I remember Johnny Genosic when he had one little store, when he had one little store, because great things always start with something little and it evolves to something big. That's important for you to remember. So, hey, listen, little is much when God is in it. Be faithful to the little things that God has given you. You're maybe not where you wanna be yet. You're maybe not achieving everything you wanna achieve yet, but just focus on where you are and put your whole energy in that. So John Janosik, here's where he started and here's where his store in Laurel now. And that's where we bought our furniture in this big store. And uh, one of our, our board members is Dan Ringer. He's the CPA for John Janosik. So wonderful, wonderful connection there. And, uh, and here's their store in Dover. And that's their big store in Dover. And they make millions and millions and millions of dollars. So their beginning, the beginning though, was just one little store on Main Street. And so that's how David's kingdom is. David's kingdom starts very, very insignificant, very small, shepherd boy, hiding in caves, finally king of one tribe, then after seven and a half years, king of all the tribes. And his, his graduation is from small to bigger, from bigger to greater. And that's how God always works in our life. I, was, I keep this picture in my office, a picture of our church when I came here uh, just about 40 years ago. This is how the church looked when I came here. Karen and I lived in this little mobile home, and uh, that's the church van. I've told you about that. I, had, I wrecked that church van at one point. And uh, here's the garage here, and there's, of course, none of these buildings that we have now are here. And, uh, and I used to, you know, get up out of the trailer. I, my office was over here. And I actually, in those days, we wore suits. And I would uh, put my suit on in the trailer. And I'd walk across uh, into my office. And I would spend the day. And here's the funny thing about our early days here. There wasn't a phone in the church. There wasn't a phone. We had a phone in the parsonage. But my, my office was in the church. And so somebody would call the church. Uh, and it would be the trailer. And Karen would run over and tell me uh, in the uh, church. And I would... Uh, uh, run back over and talk to people on the phone. But that's how we started. And uh, that's where it began. And I keep that picture in my office. I keep it. I see it every day because it reminds me of where we started and where we began. If God was faithful, if God has been faithful to bring us from this point to where we are now, I know he has incredible plans for our future. Here's an aerial view of our facility now here at, uh, at Millsboro, and here's the difference. Here's what God has done. This is a God thing, and we just see God's faithfulness over the years of what he did. So great things begin small. And that's how God works. Of course, we got a, uh, pictures of our, I don't know if we have pictures of our Fenwick Island campus and a Rehoboth campus, but uh, we have all these campuses that are growing. And I just believe that God has so many incredible things for Bayshore in the future. And he has incredible things for you. He has incredible things for you. And you, you may think, well, boy, my life is just, you, the ascent to where you're going is very challenging. And it seems like it's going very slow, but God is very faithful to you and he loves you. Hey, listen, let me tell you a couple things about David, uh, about David and how he connects to Jesus. But that's just some general stuff about his life that encourages me. And I see those principles. They really, really bless me. So here's a couple things about David. 
that David is like Jesus. Have you ever, ever seen somebody that looks like somebody you know and you tap on the shoulder and it's not them? But David and Jesus look alike. There's some really in, in, incredible parallels. First of all, David was a shepherd. David was a, David was a shepherd, and of course, Jesus is a shepherd. And uh, there's a picture of a shepherd here that Jesus is a shepherd. Now, here's what it says. You know, you look at when you find uh, uh, David in, the, in, in 1 Samuel, you find that he's tending sheep. He's taking care of the sheep. And when his father sends him in 1 Samuel 17 to go uh, take some food to his brothers where he ends up killing Goliath, he leaves his sheep. So he's a shepherd. He's a shepherd. Uh, David is a shepherd, and he's, he's mirroring for us that Jesus is going to be a shepherd for us. He's going to be a shepherd for us, and he's going to take care of us, and he's going to uh, put his arms around us and support us and take care of us, and that's uh, so he's a shepherd. What did Jesus say in John chapter 10? He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I think maybe we had that verse there. Uh, I am the good shepherd. John 10 verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And, and remember what David said to, uh, said to Saul when he said, you can't go out and fight Goliath. He said, when I was taking care of the sheep, when a bear or lion would come, the Lord would anoint me and I would kill the bear or the lion. And so he's a shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd is, uh, is a person that takes care of us and protects us. You know, sheep are very, very, they're just vulnerable animals. They're not really smart. They can't run fast. They can't fight. They don't have claws. They're just vulnerable, and they're completely dependent on someone as a shepherd to watch over them. And I want you to know that in these crazy times, you know, maybe you feel vulnerable. Maybe you feel uh, discouraged. Uh, maybe you feel like, you know, how are you going to get through these uncertain times? Let me tell you something. David was a shepherd, and he mirrored that Jesus is our shepherd. In fact, David wrote a great psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. So the Lord's your shepherd, and, and you're vulnerable. You are vulnerable. You're emotionally vulnerable. You're, you're financially vulnerable. You're physically vulnerable. We're, all, we're just like sheep. We, we just are very vulnerable uh, to things around us. But the Bible says that he is our shepherd, and he watches over us, and he's going to take care of us. So a shepherd is someone that protects. And you know, the Bible says that uh, in Psalm uh, 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, a sheep, uh, when their belly is full, you know, they, they lay down and just take a nap in the, in the pasture, and they're, and they're full of uh, peace and contentment because they know that their shepherd is watching over them. And the shepherd... Our shepherd is watching over us. The Lord is your shepherd. Ultimately, the Lord is your leader. Ultimately, the Lord is the one that's going to take care of you. A few years ago, uh, when Willow, my oldest granddaughter, was, uh, we were up to the fair and we were taking a walk. We were trying to find the car, actually. And uh, Karen was behind us, and Willow and I are walking along. This is one of my favorite pictures I have in my office. And this is my little granddaughter, Willow. And uh, she was just at our house last night. We had a wonderful time with her. And uh, she's 10, 11 years old now, just really growing up, becoming a young lady. And, uh, but when she was little, we're walking through the, trying to find her car with all those hundreds of cars. And Karen just happened to snap that picture of me walking with Willow and her holding my hand. And I want you to know that that's, that's the picture of your shepherd, that your shepherd is walking beside you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never, ever 
let you down. He's with you. And let me just read you one psalm real quickly. Uh, psalm 121. Let me read it to you. And this is just a, this is a de- definition of a, of a shepherd. Psalm 121. I think we got it here for the screen here. I lift my eyes up. This is what the Lord says to you, what he says to me this weekend. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Where does your help come from? Does your help come from the government? Does your help come from, uh, from uh, Wall Street? Where does your help come from? But here's what I believe it says. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. Uh, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Next verse. Uh, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. And then I think we got the next verse. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over you, your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. So the Lord is your shepherd and he's watching over you. A couple little things real quickly about, about David. David was a shepherd. David was a king. And Jesus is a king. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, that, that, that when Jesus returns, the book of Revelation uses the term many times that he is king of kings and lord of lords. Remember when Jesus was, uh, was born in Bethlehem, the Bible says that the wise men came from the east, the magi came from the east, and they, what did they say to Herod? They said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Where is he who is born king of the Jews? And when the wise men went to went to Bethlehem and they found Jesus, the Bible says that they presented him with gifts of gold. They presented him with gifts of gold. Did you realize that gold is a particular specific gift given just to kings? In the Old Testament, when the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, she gave him 66 talents of gold and presented it to him. So we see Jesus being presented as a king. Now, if Jesus is a king and he is to be our king, then we have to submit our lives to him and make him Lord of our life. Make him Lord of our life. Uh, and I, I just, when I was getting ready for this message and when I was r- talking, uh, writing about this, uh, Jesus being a king and being our Lord, because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if we confess our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's curious, that he's our Lord, he's our master, we will be saved. I said, Lord, uh, I just want to reaffirm that you're my Lord that you are my king, that I, I'm submitted to you, that my life is about what you want me to do. It's not about what I want to do, but it's about what you want me to do. And I, and I said to the Lord, Lord, is there anything in my life that is not under your lordship? And he reminded me of something that I've been trying to control, trying to take care of. And he said, you need to make me lord of that. I'm in charge of that. That's not your business. And so we need to make him Lord of our life. If we're going to move somewhere, first thing we need to do is pray, Lord, is that where you want us to go? If we're going to change jobs, first thing we do is pray, Lord, is that what you want us to do? Uh, If we're going to get married, Lord, is this the right person you want me to marry? Uh, If we're going to change something in our life that's big, Lord, is this your will? And so many times we make these plans and never really submit to Jesus as our king. Now, the Bible says real quickly, uh, it says that uh, when Jonathan, who was the son of Saul, uh, in, uh, it's in First, uh, First Samuel chapter 18. When Jonathan saw, when he saw uh, David and how God's hand was on David, remember Jonathan was the son of King Saul, 
And so Jonathan was the oldest son. He was going to become king. But when he saw David kill Goliath, he recognized that the anointing of God was on David and David was going to be the king. We have this beautiful story in 1 Samuel chapter 18 where Jonathan takes off his robe and he takes off his tunic. And these are the robes of a prince. These are the, this is the tunic of a prince. This is the, this is the, these are the garments of the, the one in line to become king. And he takes that and he gives that to David, signifying that he recognizes David as king. Let me ask you, have you ever, have you ever given your garment to the Lord where he said, Lord, I, I take my will and I give it to you. I take my, uh, uh, my, my will and my agenda and my plan and I give it to you. That Jesus is a king. David was a king. And finally, this is interesting. Uh, they both were born in Bethlehem. They both were born in Bethlehem. And if you ever wondered why it was so important that Joseph and Mary got Jesus to Bethlehem, because that was the city of David. And God was just showing off when he had Caesar Augustus, you know, get the whole world moving so he could get Joseph and Mary to the right town so that Jesus could be born in Bethlehem because that was the town that David was born in. And remember what the shepherds uh, heard from the angels this day in the city of David. Christ has been born, which is Christ the Lord. And so he was born in Bethlehem. Let me just give you this little interesting thing about about, uh, David and Jesus. Uh, David was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, son of David, uh, the son of David was born in Bethlehem. Jesus, uh, the descendant of David, born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem, the word Bethlehem means house of bread, house of bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And if you're empty inside and you feel like you don't have uh, the fulfillment and the contentment that you need inside, I want you to know that the Lord is the only thing that can satisfy your heart because Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and he says, I am the house of, I am the bread of life, and you're always going to be empty. Something's always going to be missing if you don't have the bread of life in your heart, and he's the only one that can satisfy you. So there's these incredible connections between David and Jesus, and I just love the story. I love that uh, the, the, the genealogies tell us about about Jesus and, and how he came about. Let me just read, let me read to you a little bit of these genealogies here. And, and this is an interesting thing here. Let me just, uh, it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, of the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And I want to just show you some things in this genealogy real quickly. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Now here's, here's something that you want to know. Judah slept with Tamar, and Tamar was his daughter-in-law. Uh, he was married, uh, Tamar was married to Perez and Zerah. They died, and uh, there was another son that's not mentioned in the list, and Judah uh, mistakenly slept with his daughter-in-law. And uh, interesting story, I think it's in Genesis chapter 38. So it's a little weird. These aren't really great people, perfect people in here. And then it says uh, in verse 4, Ram the father of Abinadad, Abinadad the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute, and she, was, of course, was in Jericho and uh, put the scarlet robe there. So in the genealogy, we have, a, a, we have two women that actually were acting as prostitutes. So we got Rahab 
And then look at verse 6. And Jesse, the father of David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. So then we got uh, got, uh, Bathsheba mentioned in here. uh, And Bathsheba was was the woman that committed adultery with David. So in in this list, in this list of people, we have this really, really messed up group of people. And Jesus came in to a world of messed up people. Let me ask you a question. Is, 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 is there somebody in your family a little messed up? Are, are you a little messed up in some ways? I think all of us can raise our hand to being messed up in a little way. I mean, something's going on in all of our lives. And you look at this list of genealogies and you see these people that they got big problems. They, these, aren't, these, aren't, these aren't people wearing halos. We got, we got people doing uh, really, really unheard of things in this story. We got Uriah who was killed and, and David committed adultery against him and all these. And we got Rahab, the prostitute, and we got Tamar who slept with her father-in-law. And this list is just, and we got Ruth the Moabitess that was an outsider. She's in the, she's in the genealogy. So we got a really, really messed up family line. And Jesus comes in to our messed up world to help us. And I'm so grateful the Bible says in Romans uh, that where sin did abound, where there was a lot of sin, grace did much more abound. Jesus came in to a broken world, the perfect son of God, the perfect son of God to bring eternal life to you and me. So regardless of what you, what you have in your past, regardless of, of what Uh, secrets are in your closet, regardless of of what uh, dark sides you have to you, I want you to know that Jesus came to save people just like us. Jesus came to save people just like us, and he can forgive you of all your sins. If you're a Christ follower and you've stumbled, you confess. The Bible says if we confess uh, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I read that a while back and I was all of a sudden taken with a pronoun there. If we confess our sins, that's John the Apostle. Evidently, John the Apostle had need to confess his sin before the Lord. So confess your sin to the Lord and receive forgiveness. Uh, and if you've never met Jesus, make sure that you put your faith in Jesus. Your family line may be a little messed up. I remember uh, somebody sent me this a while back, and I read this about this family line, about this, uh, about this family, the Smith family. Here's what it says. The Smiths were proud of their family tradition. Their ancestry had come to America on the Mayflower. They had included senators and Wall Street wizards. They decided to compile a family history, a legacy for their children and grandchildren. They hired a fine author, Only one problem arose, how to handle the great Uncle George who was executed in an electric chair. The author said he could handle the story tactfully. The book appeared, it said, great Uncle George occupied a chair of applied electronics at an important government institution, was attached to his position by the strongest of ties, and his death came as a great shock. I think that's funny. Well, that's what I think of the genealogies, the line of David. Jesus coming through the line of David, he came in to a messed up family, and he brought forgiveness. So I want to encourage you today that the Lord is with you. He loves you. He's with you. He's going to give you an incredible future, and he has incredible plans for you. Because David, God took a king.
from made him uh, started as a shepherd, then he became a king, and through his kingship, God brought the greatest king of all, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords in this world, to provide salvation for you and for me. Let's lift our hands right now. If you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just lift your hands right now and ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you, encourage you, because he loves you and cares about you. He's with you this weekend. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Don't be nervous because the Lord is your shepherd. He's going to take care of you. Father, we thank you, God, that this is a special, special Sunday as we stand in your presence. Lord, we, we feel you. We sense your presence with us. We thank you that you stand uh, over your flock, watching over us to protect us, to give us confidence. We can literally lay down in the green grass and sleep because you're watching out for us. Give us peace and give us tranquility as we trust in you. And we thank you for watching over us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, I love you guys. You're the best. And I'll see you next week for the next installment of Mega mega moments. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.